If you want your project to look and sound better, bring it to the team that cares about your project, alphadogs.tv. When we last left our heroes, they were locked into a terribly important discussion. Let's drop in on them again as they plot the future. Now from the Top Dogs Kennel in beautiful downtown Burbank, it's the Terrence and Philip Show. Thanks again, Gary. We sure miss you. Hi, I'm Terrence Curran. And I'm Philip Hodgetts. And this is the Terrence and Philip Show. In case you forgot. Yes, because it's been a while. It has been a while. And uh, one of the things we wanted to talk about today is how much AI has basically changed since the last time we talked about it in our industry. Yes, given that it's been almost a year, yeah. give or take, I'm not sure exactly, but that's an age in the development of this field. I'm quite shocked at how quickly machine learning has come out of the, the blue like three or four years ago. It came back into my purview after, because like it's artificial intelligence rides of waves like 3D. Mm -hmm. um, but there is actual substance to machine learning. Yeah, more than uh, 3D. More than 3D. <laughs> Don't get me started. <laughs> it was a gimme for you. <laughs> <laughs> I know how you feel about 3D, Terrence. <laughs> so, yes, there's been a lot of uh, examples. Even just like today, the heading from the Mesa Alliance, applying machine learning and analytics to maximize the value of your media assets. And there's a story like that comes through pretty much every day through the various channels that I, I monitor. Mm -hmm. You know, in terms of monetizing your assets, finding audiences, determining which script should be produced, these are all things that are um, driven by machine learning these days. Mm -hmm. In the Adobe Premiere Pro world, guess what's driven by machine learning? Color grading. Oh. Color matching. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, they have a sensei-driven color matching tool now, uh -huh. which is far more intelligent than the make this white look like that white or make this blue look like that blue of the, right. of the older uh, color matching tools. And, you know, you can use any shot as a template. Mm -hmm. So you go into Adobe Stock, find a look that you like and apply that look to your, your rather mundane interviews. Mm -hmm. And... From the examples that I've seen, and we all know how demos yes. can be. Very carefully selected <laughs> examples that work perfectly. Yes. <laughs> I would never suggest that they do that intentionally. But <laughs> but it did seem that way with the speech and text that Adobe had many yes. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> it did seem to work in the demos, but not so not much in the real world. In the real world, yes. But there's a technology that has come back into the point where it is functional in the real world. I mean, we work closely with one provider, but there are lots of providers of speech to text. Mm -hmm. And that's the first part of, of deriving, you know, sentiment, emotion, and keywords eventually. I mean... Well, there's so much work being done on that. And it's not because of our... If it was because of our industry, it would never get done because no. there's not a big enough market for it. But it's because, you know, Amazon wants to know exactly what you're thinking so they can serve you up exactly the ad that's going to make you buy exactly what they want to sell you right now. Yeah, I mean, it's like, like the stupid little uh, Apple Watch. I mean... Its processing is not on board. It just gets the audio file, sends it off for processing, brings it back quickly. Mm -hmm. But it's amazingly powerful for what you can do. One of the coolest things I do, and it only works when there are no guests in the house, but I simply you know, pull up my watch and say, set dinner time, set indoor dining, and that sets all the lighting state for indoor dining. Mm -hmm. It's almost like we're in the future. Yeah, well, <laughs> we, yeah, we are. We are. And it's really smart because it knows when we have guests, and it doesn't work when we have guests. Oh. <laughs> Are you being facetious now? Well, it seems like. Functionally, that's the way it seems to work because oh, okay. the twice I've tried to use it in front of guests, it's not worked, but it oh. works every other night. <laughs> Trust me, it really works. <laughs> Normally it does. I just go to the iPad and do it there and it's almost as impressive. But mm -hmm. having that speech-to-text is an amazingly valuable thing. I've been working on a book project for somebody who's very auditorily focused. They don't, they don't think 
like writing a book. Mm-hmm. But they can talk about their subject matter quite intelligently when they're interviewed. Okay. So, so I would interview um, my singing teacher, my vocal coach, about her work and how she goes about it and then run it through speech to text. And one example, this is an outlier on the positive side, but it was 98.98% accurate. Wow. It was something like six words out of 4,600 words were not what she spoke. Wow, that is pretty accurate. Now, yeah. It's not the, what I'm used to dealing with. And the punctuation is, is a little off, definitely. Mm-hmm. But really, it's always over 95% in English, certainly with speech medics who we use. Mm-hmm. I have an example with a on-camera microphone in a courtyard with a southern black accent. Mm-hmm. And it didn't do so very well on that. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it did as well as it did on that is actually quite a testament. It's probably about 75 80% accurate on that. But nobody would expect a machine to do great results in with such poor quality audio. Well, okay. You know, I, I mean, obviously I, I, I get frustrated because I am sitting there doing speech to text as a response to someone's text on my phone. And if I don't double check it, I'm going to be in trouble because <laughs> inevitably I look and I go, are you kidding me? And that's with Google and their analytics. So it's amazing how far off things can still be. And then some of it is just how we speak doesn't, exactly translate you know i'll say something and i'm saying it really fast and when i look down it's a shorthand version you know like the slang version of the word or a combination of words or something and i'm going did i actually say that or did i say be you know mm. did i say because because it'll it'll put in cuz uh-huh. c-u-z you know and uh-huh. i'm just talking fast so i don't know did i say cuz or did i say because and it just put cuz i don't know i so. find sometimes the watch will get it completely balls up because it's the only way to respond to a message. Mm-hmm. There's no keyboard or anything, so it right. has to be done with voice. And sometimes it will completely balls it up, mm-hmm. but most of the time it's really accurate. Yes, that's, yeah. Uh, but, yes, there are times when it's completely balls it up. But you have to pay attention because if it's one of the times it balls it up and you didn't pay attention, you just hit send. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, <laughs> well, just always proofread what Run wrote anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, speech to text. Or not. So these are opening up more opportunities and... I think over the last year, my thinking about artificial intelligence or machine learning, how we're going to apply it inside the production industry particularly, mm-hmm. is has changed. I, I know then I had this idea of that we would be able to do a basic assemble of a non-scripted scene based on... You're going to for a long time. Yep. <laughs> um, and I, I still think we will get there in some respects. Mm-hmm. That will happen, but in a different way. And we'll come back to that a little bit. I want to talk a little bit about some of Tom Mahanian's recent writings. Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing now, I'm feeling more now, is like, no, it's going to be more like the approach of a centaur, you know, half man, half machine, or half horse in that case, but half man, half machine. So mm-hmm. the smarter helper, not right. the replacement. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It'll do the string out. Yeah. And then you have to go in and refine A human has to refine it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, in the same way that for that Morgan trailer, the IBM did it, they pulled out all the selects based on emotion, right. and, but a, a human still actually cut the trailer. Mm-hmm. Well, but look at how many years ago that was, too. Yeah. I mean, Facebook spits out these constant little, you've been friends with such and such for this long, and there's their little montage of photos, not necessarily how I would have done them, but, you know, that's all uh, machine learning. It's no human is sitting there doing those. No. (laughs) No, no. No, in fact, it's uh, Al Mooney is in, at least involved in that team yeah. because I made some comment on Facebook about, oh, one, no. of, <laughs> about one of them being a, a little disappointing and Al says, you, uh, you always find my work a little disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> Which funny. is not true. I have a lot of respect for Premiere Pro. I choose not to use it myself, but mm-hmm. it doesn't mean I think it's a bad tool. 
Right. I mean, they're horses for courses. There you go. So, okay, moving forward with AI, when we talked about this a couple years ago, or was it a year ago? When was that? Uh, Uh, Whatever. A couple years ago, something. I felt and still feel that ultimately it will replace every job somewhere down the line. It's just a question of at what point in time. Would you say that from that time to now that you feel that the technology is advancing faster than you thought it was going to or not? Yes to both. In some respects, it is advancing faster, and in other respects, I'm not seeing the applications as quickly as we might otherwise see them. Okay, so the tech's there, but people aren't yeah. using it properly yet. That's yeah, and as I said, I mean, I, I think Adobe's smart in sort of sneaking the technology in machine learning in an app. I think it's obvious that an NLE down the track will have to have visual search, so you can search your B-roll by yes. looking for, you know... I agree, yeah. Um, and if you prepared to train it on a little set of photos, then you could probably get uh, identification as well. In fact, and again, there's not enough money in our industry to drive that kind of research. That research is being driven because they want to, you know, they want to evaluate you when you walk into a store and figure out what they can sell you. What did you look at? What, you know, what's your emotion right now? It's the marketing dollars are driving all the research into being able to take pictures and video and analyze what is the emotion going on in there and where is the interest, et cetera. And I was watching some Top Chef, a reality TV show the other week, and think, well, you know, one application would simply be an app that was trained on your cast Mm -hmm. and would quickly identify when that person was in every shot. Exactly, yeah. Facial recognition. It's not not a replace my job. It's Mm -hmm. give me two more hours of sleep when we won't bring that intern in, which is losing a job. (laughs) Yes, it's replacing the loggers. Yeah. Because those are the people that would sit down and do that. And just recognizing the person that's coming in is the first step, but you still, you need a logger to go, well, that person's pissed off right here. I can tell by the way they're looking, but that's the next step. Emotional extraction is is already part of IBM's tool set. That's what I'm saying. And so these things are being driven by... Again, marketing, sales, et cetera. But it's going to filter into our industry, and it will continue to replace jobs. And there is going to be a point where that basic first – it's funny because I go back – to whatever that was, 2007, 2006, when you were showing me... Oh, the, the, it was 2008, but yeah. The, yeah. Your first cuts. Yeah, your first cuts, which was based on your personal editing style and tons of metadata, like all of this description metadata being there for every shot so that it could string out a thing. Oh, this guy is fighting. Oh, this is a close-up of him, etc. That is going to be automated into the point where it will be super simple to do that. And, uh, you know, it's going to be Google and Facebook and whatnot that are pulling. Facebook's obviously heavily invested in the concept because they, then they can rope you in more when they've well, strung yeah. together things that interest you and tie you but in with your friends. I would not and try and use machine learning for that story building. I still think that the challenges of trying to derive the sort of model that we've had in an algorithm is still too complex. But the reason why First Cuts didn't actually work was because of that metadata entry. That's what I'm saying. Now the, it's going to be yeah, there. Yeah. yeah. And yes, and we, we will have other ways of putting things together. Tom Ohanian has a really great, and he's um, an interesting job title. He's Global Sales Executive, IBM Watson Media and Weather, <laughs> but of course was also one of the founders of Avid. Yes, early, um, early so Avid. has a great pedigree and should be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. In, in this LinkedIn article, he identified six different approaches to editing and sort of basically is applied whether AI or machine learning applies to where it fits. And the first one, and only one of six, is actually craft editorial, 
which is what we think about as being editing, editing that is crafted by somebody, a story is created either with a script or out of reality, out of footage that is taken and then a story created from that. Mm-hmm. But that's just one of six that he identified and that's he argues that that level of production is actually dropping. The feature film production every year is going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, every studio produces fewer feature films uh, this year than they did last year, mostly. Except uh, for Netflix. Except for Netflix, uh, and with the argument of whether they're eligible for the uh, Oscars. No, yes. <laughs> no. Theatrical distribution, yeah. And the next one that he had was um, specialised content editorial and packaging for platforms. The emphasis is on lightweight editorial, but more on metadata. So it's like small clips for social media. There's your Facebook yeah. little, you know, you've that been friends of, with yeah. XYZ for yeah, know, those Yeah, I'd certainly hope that they're going to get a little bit smarter than that. Well, they will. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Al, but I'm still underwhelmed with the Facebook videos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you remember, this is this is now, yeah. it, you know, this is an iteration we're talking. So, yeah. so yes, it's 2008, which yeah. is 11 years ago, you were yeah. showing First Cuts, okay? Sure. And tech is exponentially improving. Where are we going to be in two years from now? Yeah. If you look at it linearly, you'll go, oh, it's going to be another 20 years before no, they get no. there. No, no, no. It's going to be much faster than that. Yeah, the emphasis is on lightweight editorial functionality, tagging, branding, expanded metadata functionality, reacting to social media feedwork, and iterating. So yeah. that's the sort of particular style of editing that he highlighted. And then there's automatic content packaging. Um, mm-hmm. take you know take the one basic edit and then repackage put it. Put all the different tags on yeah, it. Yeah. yeah, and then repackage it for you know here's a cut down for social media. Right. Here's a square version. Here's something else. Mm-hmm. And that again is ripe for automation. Mm-hmm. But then he's got another three categories: artificial intelligence, machine learning, automated content creation, interactive game engine applied to content creating, and his a completely different approach is the last one. And oh. he's talking about there, he's talking about using game engines, which, again, are, reality, are virtual reality environments right. to drive a narrative or to drive a story. So you're basically reprogramming the game engine to make content. Mm-hmm. And I think in the early days of podcasting, there was a, a Red v. Blue podcast, which video came out of a game where the red character and the blue character fought. Oh. They would graft in stories around that and add in their own voiceover and, and the like to make a game engine podcast, essentially. And the area that I have thought that really has a lot of potential, and I think we've talked about templaritization before. You know, yes. But imagine the, the super smart template. So, you know, a simple template is like, well, here's the, the slot where you drop – well, right. the simplest template was um, iMovie trailers that, that Randy Ubilis put into iMovie many, many years ago. Had the London Symphony Orchestra record all of the, the orchestral tracks for these. And, you know, content auto-analysis would identify a two-shot, a one-shot, a mm-hmm. wide-shot. And it would say, you know, drop a wide-shot in here, drop a two-shot in here, drop a close-up in here. And they, you built the template up that way. Mm-hmm. And you could probably do a birthday party or something simple like a trailer that doesn't have much of a story to it. The Facebook videos. Yes. They obviously impressed you a bit. <laughs> well, no, it just is. I, I, I can see the yeah, math that's going, going on behind yeah, it. Yeah, 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 and where it's going to end up, yes. Yeah. But imagine that concept, but with smart metadata and, and the ability to make the sort of simple decisions as to how far to run a story, how far to run a clip, how, you know, a lot of first cuts is simply rules of thumb. You know, right. when we start teaching somebody editing, we say, you know, you shut cutaway should be here, it should be there, you know, but no, even deciding, no jump cuts, yeah. does a cutaway go, go across the whole clip, go just at the beginning and for how long, go in the middle for how long, or just go at the end for how long, took a couple of days work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to turn that into a rule of thumb. Because they, yeah, and then of course all the rules of thumb in editing are there to be broken anyway. So yeah, that makes, so, yeah, that's that's the part would be the last part to be replaced by AI. 
Yes, and I, I'd come back to a, a thing I was cutting when I first left Australia, or just about the time I was leaving Australia, on a young performer. Um, and he did um, 16 going on 17 at a, at a, in a pr professional production of Sound of Music on Saturday, but on Sunday he was in a, in a benefit concert doing Hanky Panky, which... Now, I don't think the machine would ever put them two together, but they intercut beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Breaking the rules, right. That's yeah, the and, spark and of creativity. Yes, there's something about It's like I was listening to both and said, wait, that'll go with that, and in a way that I wouldn't expect a machine to come up with that sort of randomness. If you want to smooth out your workflow, translate between Final Cut Pro 10 and Premiere Pro, or even Legacy Final Cut Pro, or want to synchronise multiple sources at once based on timecode, or do the sort of reporting that everybody has to do, then head over to assistedediting.com or intelligentassistance.com. Well, to me, the more disconcerting part of it, what I would consider to be sort of the insidious part of AI and all this technology, is that... We're going to get to a point where we're custom-fed everything that we see. And, you know, that Amplifying leaves, the echo chamber. Yeah. Not only amplifying the echo chamber, but part of the interesting part of life is when you stumble across something that you didn't know about before. And yes. once we're fed a constant stream of what the algorithms have decided we'll like, and of course we'll just sit there and consume it because oh we, we like, like it, it. <laughs> right? But it's not like flipping channels and all of a sudden you go oh wow this is interesting I, and you never would have stumbled across that before. That won't happen anymore, and that's the scary part to me of where all of this is going is that since we're getting down just a few corporations running the entire thing, and they're incentivized to not only keep you trapped watching what they want, but, you know, to monetize that as many ways as they can is that we're going to be constantly fed stuff that's going to manipulate our behaviors to continue to support them with our yeah, yeah. hard-earned dollars, et cetera. So I think that's the part that scares me the most and uh, disconcerts me the most about where everything is going. It's not so much on the content creation side because there's always going to be room for people to be creative there but on the consumer side where they may never see the content being created by creative people because that's no longer in, in the best interest of the corporation to feed to them. Hmm. How's that for a Debbie Downer? Yeah, great. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. On, on the positive side, I, I, at the moment at least, and, and I think the sort of the next couple of years runway, the machine learning stuff is not replacing anyone's job. It's, right. it's replacing parts of that job and freeing the person to do other things. I think the low-hanging fruit, like we said earlier, is loggers, some AEs. Yeah. I, th I think those jobs will get replaced because – Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, you know, it, but they're tedious anyway. Well, to you, yeah, <laughs> to you or I, but those are entry-level jobs. And that's if they true. go away, yeah. it's like how do people get in, you know? So that's, that's sort of a – Well, with all these extra channels, they make their own podcast and they break through. Now, funny little story, but it's completely unrelated, but it is it is amusing. You know, I've been around podcasting since three weeks after the specification was finalized. So <laughs> this was uh, 2002, three or four, something around there, mm -hmm. um, before Apple got into iTunes or anything. So anyway, just that's background. Greg and I have been doing podcasting for 15 years. Mm -hmm. And so his 25-year-old niece, when he was last with her, said, Uncle Greg... Have you heard of podcasting? <laughs> <coughs> well, you know, you're older, so obviously you wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah, <'cause laughs> uh, I'm sorry. We, yeah, yeah. yeah, we started podcasting when you were 10. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that's one of those technologies that we had this boom of podcasting very shortly in the 2006, 7, 8 period. Mm -hmm. 
but then it really sort of died off. We mm. sort of, you know, there were still podcasts going, but the huge excitement around it all sort of faded out. And now it's got, there's a dedicated podcasting area at NAB. Really? Yeah. I mean, oh, boy. podcasting, content distribution, machine learning and AI, these are sort of the pillars of NAB this year. So podcasting is a multi-billion dollar a year industry. How are we going to monetize it? Apparently they found a way. Oh, yeah. Was, <laughs> wait a minute. What are we missing here? <laughs> Yeah, we're sadly lacking those billions, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> hmm, Maybe because we need a market more than 20 people are actually interested in what we talk about. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe, yeah. So my thinking... My Let's thinking, talk video games. <laughs> yeah, that's where a lot of creativity goes now. Mm-hmm. Another son of a friend of ours in Australia has got one of those dream jobs. He's a creative, but he works for Google in their machine learning area, so he's, he gets to find fun, creative applications of Google's machine learning technologies. Wow. Be, wouldn't that be like a, whoa, let me, get, let me do that. You know, if, you know, so he's, he's, he's like that good balance of technical geek and, and still you know, musician, creative uh-huh. as well. So they showed me a project that he worked on, which is basically you conduct your orchestra. And oh. the machine looks, the, the camera looks Follows at what you're, the, what you're and doing. And then okay. you go over here for the, for the strings and you bring up the timp- the timpani and you bring up the... the Philip is waving his hands. Yes. <laughs> Those of you who can't see it, he's actually conducting an orchestra here. <laughs> and that's how you, and that, literally that's what it was about. It was conducting the orchestra as you would with the layout of an orchestra mm-hmm. and highlighting the areas you want to bring up. And it would follow you and it would play the music. Uh, rebalance the music and remix the music accordingly. Wow, that's and, pretty cool. And that's just one creative, you know, project. It wasn't. It's not a product that they're thinking of using. It was just something like, how could we use this technology if we wanted to be creative with it? And I think that's the coolest part of the next career spots. You know, a career yes, path that would be true. a cool career path. Yeah, to find yourself in one of those situations. Yeah. So Rupert, I am officially jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Is he one of our 24 listeners? No, no. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even think his parents are. <laughs> one of the very few families that we bother to still see in Australia when we go visiting. But I was working on the documentary about that young singer with them. That was ah, okay. That was our connection there. They found me on a forum, Final Cut Pro 1.25 era forum. They had some problem they weren't able to solve with Final Cut and I was able to solve it. And then we realized that they were just down the road. They weren't like we, I wasn't in America like everybody else on the forum. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I understood PAL. <laughs> and now you are. <laughs> and now I understand NTSC, you drop frame better than <laughs> most people here do. <laughs> Not that that's a great claim to fame. No. Um, so anyways, back to AI. Yeah. My big question would be, and I kind of already asked it, do you see it exponentially increasing the development faster than what you anticipated a few years back. Yes. Many okay. things, many of these applications are things that I never thought about using artificial intelligence for noise reduction, video noise reduction, you know, creating completely realistic artificial faces using two machines to fight each other. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's a whole nother. Yeah, yeah that, that's, a, that's a new approach. You know, yeah. there's, there's essentially three approaches to training a machine is, you know, a, a massive training set mm-hmm. and that's where I see the, the problem about finding a large enough set, which, you know, th- hundreds of thousands of examples of edits that were already graded, good mm-hmm. or bad. So I, I find a problem with that. Then there's sort of oppositional research where they pit two machines against each other. One, say, in this example, a facial recognition technology and a facial generation technology. And the generation technology says, is this a face? And the recognition says, not likely, try again. Right, yes. And said, yeah, I'll pass that as a face until Mm -hmm. they train each other. And the other is to send a machine 
a, a fairly simple goal, like stay upright and move forward. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we ended up with a bipedal animation that works on those principles and then, you know, climbing over terrain, but they made it more difficult, but they didn't provide a training set. They provided a challenge. A goal. A yeah. goal. Those two, the opposition and the goal challenge, don't seem to be something that we could provide in editorial. And, and so I'm beginning to think that the large scale, the you know, put together a scene, could do it, but I think it would be a gimmick. I don't know that necessarily that's where we, we want to go. But, you know, simple first string out. But smart templates, honestly, that's the market's niche that I'm looking into for our future because, you know, products don't last forever and nothing lasts forever. Yes, no, that's true. Um, Absolutely. And so the translation tools that we thought we were going to get two years out of are still going strong five, six years later. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thank you to the lack of standards and mostly being used by people using the way we don't approve, which is to work between Premiere Pro and Final Cut Pro as a workflow, not as an escape hatch. <laughs> mm -hmm. But they're still selling, but nothing lasts forever. You know, those products eventually stop selling. The things that make us money now will stop making us money. So we have to be, always have to be prepared to look what will be the next thing that we can make money of. As, yes. You know, yeah. that's, I think that's what being entrepreneurial is, is about. It's not, it's not waiting for the life to kick you in the balls before you decide you need to change. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, yeah. I think Apple is somewhat smart there is that they're the first to knife their own babies if, if it's necessary. So the iPod was killed by the, you know, iPhone. Mm -hmm. But if it wasn't killed by Apple, it was going to be killed by somebody else. And if we don't do smart templates, somebody else will and they'll make the money. Right. That's sad. <laughs> well, that's, well, that's capitalism. Yeah. So, so, so I think, you know, trying to keep focused on machine learning, we're seeing a lot of helper tools coming in, mm -hmm. logging reduction. But again, this automatic metadata extraction is largely focused on people who have large libraries of material and that they don't know what's in there. Mm -hmm. And for people who have digital assets, that's great. For people who have warehouse full of film assets, not so useful. <laughs> yes, because you can't you can't automatically scan a piece of celluloid in a no. in a warehouse, whereas you can scan a digital file on a on a warehouse of petabytes of material, but and generate and search. Coming back to it, visual search, speech to text, emotion recognition. I think these will all be part features of NLEs before twenty twenty two. And they should be features. They could be features in 2020. They, it could be next year, but I don't have 2020 vision. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> that would be that would my my kids would say that was a dad joke. <laughs> my niece hates her dad jokes, but when I make the same sort of jokes when she's visiting us, she loves them. So mm. <laughs> I think the dad component has a lot to do with yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, I'm probably more excited about machine learning now than I was two years ago. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm still really stuck on how where's the killer application within production. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, again, it has. I don't think this stuff is filtered in yet because the market is so small that you know people don't put the R and D into doing yeah. that. But the tool set is advancing so rapidly in other areas that it's just gonna happen to get filtered in. Yeah, and that's how it occurs. It's not like. Avid or Adobe or Apple are going, oh, we've got to do this, you know. It's just that that tool set becomes so prevalent and they go, hey, it would be really easy to stick that in here and add a whole new feature. That's when it happens. And of all the companies that make an NLE, 
because there's only one NLE company. In fact, there's no company that makes uh, enough money out of their NLE to be, stay in business. No, oh, yeah. So there's a computer company that makes an NLE. <laughs> yeah. There's a storage uh, company that makes an NLE. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and, the, and there's a document processing company that makes an NLE. <laughs> yeah, there you go, yes. <laughs> but of those, those three, the document processing company, Adobe, I think are furthest along in applying the technology within yes, their I, domain. Yeah, it does seem that way. Yeah. Um, the color matching, the automatic ducking that's in Project Rush, mm. Adobe Rush, or it's a Premiere Rush, I think yeah. they finally called it, uh, a rush to find a new interface before they become obsolete. <laughs> oh, did I say that out loud? Sorry. Apparently <laughs> you did. Oh, well. <laughs> it's, it's just funny how that they can completely trash an idea and then when the time comes to be inspired by it for their own creation. But mm. not, not, notwithstanding, they, I think Adobe are very smart in that they are bringing it in across their entire business, the marketing. I mean, we forget that Adobe has a lot of marketing tools as well that I don't right. even touch. Right, yeah, same here. And, you know, those marketing tools are now rife with analysis tools that are all machine learning based. They're slowly filtered in. I, I believe that there is a version of Premiere Pro that uses image search and speech to text from Watson. It's not a released version. It's a show it in private mm -hmm. demos type thing mm -hmm. and, you know, AI focused conferences and the like so it's only a matter of time before you know we get more of that before that becomes part of the release product i know that uh, the pro apps team were seeking for a machine learning specialist to employ within the last year so mm. given the normal product cycle that's probably two to three years before we see any anything from that appear in an app mm -hmm. and then at ibc somebody from avid claimed that next city technology was artificial intelligence and they've been using artificial intelligence for 10 years so <laughs> I will just let that sit on the table as to where they are in preparedness for moving forward. I did see what I thought was pretty cool on Adobe presentation at the HPA Tech Retreat. You know how they've had the smart fill on Photoshop yeah, for yeah, a while? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, now they do that in Premiere. Yeah. So smart fill video. Yeah. So you've got a shot and you take a section, I want that to replace, and it fills it in. And, you know, again, it's a demo, so it's selected footage, yeah. et cetera. But it's very complex footage, and I was looking really close for any kind of artifacts in there. And well, they've was, also, in the still image world, they've taken that one step further. It's like content-aware fill yeah. finds areas within the image to fill in the yeah. missing spaces. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, content-aware into, yeah. into moving video But, in, but in the still image as well, now it's like, oh, no, we, don't, we won't just get it from that. We'll find another image in Adobe Stock that has an appropriate oh. bit that we might want to use, and we'll booth that in. Mm -hmm. All Sensei-powered. It's all machine learning based. So it's the, amazing the, the stuff. The demos yeah. like replace skies automatically. No masking, no keying required. It's like we know what a sky is. We can replace it. We, we, uh, we got this. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, of the three companies that we mostly focus on, they are, I think, the most advanced and bringing the tools into their software the fastest. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Which I think is odd because Apple as a company has got machine learning stuff all over it. I mean, the fact that you have Core ML, which is basically the PDF player of machine learning. It's you get your model, you generate your model however, mm -hmm. and then you can just run it on the device in accelerated form. You can integrate certain models from IBM that are automatically updated. Like as a developer, you can just implement this in Xcode. You can just say, I want to use... Um, an image recognition module from IBM and it gets updated periodically. As the model gets updated, your app gets updated. Hmm. There's, you know, there's a lot of movement already and a lot of things, but mostly we're seeing it in asset management. I mean, most, most of the big asset yeah. management tools now include a machine, even down as far as, you know, Axel AI as a more affordable level. Gray Meta are doing all sorts of keyword metadata extraction. Mm -hmm. There's several companies that sort of aggregate machine learning services 
and use you know the best of breed for image recognition, facial detection, facial recognition, speech to text, and so on. The biggest challenges at the moment is actually recognizing speakers. Yeah. You know, yes. I was thinking, yes. okay, we you know we did an attempt at magic keywords back in Lumberyard, part of Lumberjack System, mm-hmm. uh, 2015, I think we we sort of no 2016 we implemented that. But it, was, it wasn't really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was more because we could, not because it was worthwhile. And, and we wanted to rethink it for, for Builder because that's where it's more appropriate. It's like, okay, it's really easy. You, you, know, you, want, to, you want to identify a range that, that's likely to contain a thought. Mm-hmm. You know? So you know, an answer between this speaker change and this speaker change, we should have one consistent chunk that we could then send out and say, extract the keywords and the sentiment from that chunk. Yeah, one of the f- challenges with speech to text is that they tend to over-identify speakers. An interview with one male voice and one female voice will have identified thirteen female speakers and three male speakers before you're done. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So and so the chunking of the ranges. We, you know, Greg is experimenting with another idea that I had. Well, well, on vacation, vacation is very good for generating random ideas. <laughs> <laughs> so are drugs, but vacation is yeah. fun. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a really f- exciting and challenging area. It's going to make life easier for a lot of people, and particularly people who work for themselves or in very small groups mm-hmm. where everyone is challenged. But I think it will start to erode some jobs at the high end. Although those interns tend to be relatively safe until they get moved the speech to text on premises. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, as you said, the, one of the big problems for speech to text is identifying the different voices. Yes. That's, that's, a, that's and, a killer at this Again, point. you know, Adobe and Stanford University have a cooperative research department, which is where a lot of interesting projects come out of. Mm-hmm. Now, they are, they're purely research projects, but they had a rough cut assemble thing. They had a thing where you cut uh, a narrative, a couple of pieces of narrative footage into different styles, but the styles had been programmed. They weren't, we were using machine learning to identify the speakers and identify the shots, but not, not really to set up the metadata. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and, of course, speech and text are aligned with the script. So they've got all these interesting research projects going, and, and I'm not sure it was one of theirs, but there's another one that would use, that tried to identify the movement of the lips to identify which person was actually speaking at any oh, given moment. Oh, the spot, yeah. Yeah, and it's, but that's still lab-level research. Right. Now, I yeah, have, that's a ways off. I have a, I have a, if it works, I have a really odd, fun, elegantly simple way of doing it. We'll see if it works or not. <laughs> and with that tease... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should probably wrap this up. Yeah. Machine learning is going to be both fun and challenging and all of the things that we've talked about. And I'm personally glad that I'm on the back end of my career as opposed to the front end of my career where, you know, 30 years from now or 40 years from now, I don't know. I don't know what things will be like, so... Yeah, and again, I recommend this this um, article on from Tom Ohanian. It's on LinkedIn. I'll put it into the show notes okay. when we publish this so that you can find it. But it's, really, it's well worth a read, particularly the back half of the article. The first seven, six or seven installments are not a good background, but you could probably skip them if you're not really interested in the state of the industry. That part will probably be out of date before you get to read it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but he, so he talks a lot about the, the, the change of consumption patterns and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely worth the read, challenging and inspiring. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. And until next time, do something creative. You're an editor. We know you spend most of the month in a dark cave. So just once a month, get yourself out of the dark cave, away from the solitude, and be with other editors at the Editor's Lounge at AlphaDogs, editorslounge.com.